0: Welcome to the Great Dive Photography Podcast. The Great Diving Underwater Photography Podcast.
1: I don't know. Officially, (laughs) I was on snorkel for a lot of it, so maybe we should change this to the Great Snorkel Podcast. Shoot something original. No. Wide angle or close up. Speaking of speaking of balls, Brando, the Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your
0: buddies, James and Brando. We did. We fell into the water. You got a rhyme for everything. you should be able to move yourself just like you would on land underwater the great land So how do you segue from doing shooting porn to um point 8 <laughs> the s- search for godlight Okay
1: hey Brando it's um back to school time you know It is
0: back to school
1: Man you go on the old book of faces and Yeah there's, there's nothing but First day of school pics, first day of school compared to the last first day of school pics. It's pretty... My, um, my feed's just <laughs> full, of, full of little kids. There's no more dive pictures in there.
0: Dude, well, number one, those pictures are very cliche, aren't they? Aren't they cliche?
1: Oh, yeah. They're almost
0: the obligatory,
1: must be done. Yes, well... You know, if you've got a kid and you didn't post... His or hers first day of school photo, man, could you imagine the wrath you're going to take in 2022? The wrath. (laughs) That's probably almost
0: considered child abuse nowadays. My daddy didn't take a picture of me. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Really. Yeah, we've we've slipped pretty low. (laughs) That's where we're at, but...
1: And speaking of fall back-to-school pictures, you and I did some beginning-of-fall underwater pictures over the weekend.
0: We did. We fell into the water. (laughs) And
1: (laughs) and we did. And we had to get a little creative because of the area we were in. I mean, it's one thing if you're in the Cayman Islands in the fall, and you once again have 200 feet of visibility. Bastards. and a
0: ton of beautiful colorful environmental uh,
1: environmental yeah.
0: what 's the word uh, props they're environmental props. props, really those all that coral and fish is nothing but props. Uh, what would you say the viz was four feet <laughs> in some places i 'm guessing yeah 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 viz was this viz was uh terrible and we were we were
1: working in really one fixed location, yeah, in in less than five feet of water for about forty minutes, and trying to capture the the grassy bottom, the seaweedy look, and kind of create a couple of fun little little pics for that little photo shoot we wanted to do, and we had to bring lighting because it was a terrible cloudy day. But we kind of we, we didn't want that big bright look, also, so it kind of worked out in our favor for what we were trying to do. Right, but. It was kind of fun, I would say, to be forced to do something overly creative to get a different type of an underwater shot.
0: Well, yeah, I, we had to bring in the lighting. We had to bring in the props. And the reason being that there's nothing there. It's crappy viz and it's kind of a bland environment, right? It's a silty brown, all earth tones, right, for the most part. Uh, but we bring some light in there, and you start to see the greens and the oranges of the bottom, you know, that brownie orange color. And you brought, a, you brought a, a red light in there, which had a little color to, to boot. Always goes good with the green. Yeah, you had to get a little creative if you wanted to bring out anything that you could call... Oh, that's a decent photograph. We did bring a lot of lights. I brought... Well, and, I mean, the problem with a lot of lighting in uh, in very bad viz water, you know, in other words, there's a lot of particulate in the water. Is it's it's going to just blow out the, the pictures as far as the reflection back of all those part- particulates, you want to call them? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Or, uh, that's it's the two
1: edged sword of of light, yeah. right? Uh, for me, I'm l- still learning to get comfortable with the strobe because I can't get the photo I want unless I've got the light from the strobe. Yeah. But until you get good with the strobe, the light actually can make it 90% worse in a lot of cases. Right. You know, until you get that the, the positioning right and there's a lot going on and as you bring in more tools, you you have to be a, a little bit more crafty.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh the more complex it gets, the the more you've got to uh, think about the shot and start playing with that light, and you know, and you you use a single strobe, which is to me much more difficult to get an evenly lit photograph, you know, across the entire image, especially with the big wide angle. Yeah, big wide big, big wide angle lens, and then uh, just a single strobe that's got a hot spot. Um, because he did, we lost the diffuser, but, um, we'll have to work on that one. But that, hence the reason for auxiliary lighting, which a lot of times if you can bring auxiliary lighting, you don't have to use your strobe even, um, which is nice in that water. In many of the shots, you could have probably shut that strobe down. Oh yeah, yeah. I was
1: toying with that thing the whole time Yeah, on, off, changing angles, Try to get just a little bit of it to hit, yeah
0: yeah, I mean that, that, that's how you learn. You just got to get out there and, uh, like you say, change the angles, try to get a different um, a different perspective and uh, see how the light falls and plays in different areas of the image as you move things or as you adjust power or as you um, uh, move the, the light in a different angle to the subject.
1: Yeah, and, you know, last week we talked a little bit about, you know, diving with those whale sharks. And we talked about, like, your your approach to diving and having a conscious effort. Mm. And this, too, you know, we went in with a conscious effort into this dive of of having this idea of what we wanted to do. Which is a lot different than just swimming around for forty minutes <laughs> and just snapping a shutter and, and hoping, hoping to get a couple of cool pictures. Which is yeah. one thing that you can do with the camera, um, and then it's when you don't get anything because it's four feet of is it's a brown mucky all earth tone little right. contrast, you know. And you wonder, well, I didn't really get anything. <laughs> and you can see why a lot of people get, uh, you know, a bit disgruntled with a lot of the, the local inland lake dives. Yeah. Because they're, they're moving too fast. They're not really thinking about... You got to work. Well, you're nev- yeah, you're never going to get a picture if, if that's no, the no,
0: no, no. Your, the mode that you're in. No, you got to make the picture happen. You have to get creative, just like you said. Get creative with the lighting. Get creative with the, the subject matter, too, knowing... I mean, we wa- we dive into that little pond, and there's not a lot of subjects to, to photograph in that place, right?
1: Right, right. Uh, which was fun because I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the message I, I was getting back from the couple of pictures I posted, people were like,
0: "What? <laughs> Who <Where> the, <laughs>
1: the, where the hell? No. Yeah. Where the hell in the pond were you at for that?" Yeah. But yeah, so um, I found a really great website with a really great article titled Nine Tips for Creative Underwater Photography. This is on NatureTTL.com. This is a really cool site, people. I highly recommend you go check it out. A ton of nature photography tips, Um, topside, landscape, you know, skyscapes, macro, underwater. I mean, I mean all kinds of uh, all kinds of stuff in here. Books you can buy. You know, if 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 you want to shoot these guys, some money and stuff. But a, a ton of just great information. And this article has some really really kick-ass pictures in it. Uh, this is by a uh, Pete Oxford, Old marine Pete biologist,
0: Oxford. yeah,
1: naturalist, and uh, professional conservation photographer.
0: No, definitely some uh, creative and uh, helpful tips to get you thinking about your, your dang photos, not just clicking a button, not just putting an auto and clicking a button. Right. You know, you can do yeah. that. There's nothing wrong with that, I guess, but it's, it's not going to bring home that magical uh, wall hanger, you know, that really stands out if you're just out there clicking. Correct. Right.
1: It's it's the difference of you know having the the picture of the red cardinal versus having the red cardinal lit up with the green foliage behind it, uh, the 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 morning <laughs> the morning mist capturing the morning mist in the air and like the the sunlight coming through the trees the kind of like the god rays of the sunlight coming through the trees. Yeah. 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 right i mean those are two very completely different photos
0: i thought you were going to say it's it's the difference between having a picture of the red cardinal you know sitting in a in a pine tree for example nice green and red nicely yeah. laid out picture versus having the red cardinal uh hanging from a cat's mouth <laughs> in the backyard with bl- a little blood dripping down <laughs> Hard to see because the Cardinals red, the blood's red. And the cat's just walking through that foggy mist on a early morning uh, grassy knoll, if you will.
1: It's uh, that, that's another different one. I, I, sunrise, I was going de- to
0: describe next. Add a little angle, sunrise with the God rays and the the the, the mist. You painted a beautiful picture, but. You see two different pictures there. Two different pictures. In the realm of wildlife
1: photography, there's very little today, as compared to even 30 years ago, that is yet to be photographed since the age of digital. Right? Where, where he talks about there's like millions and millions of photos nowadays. <laughs> well, because
0: a film and developing is cheap. You can you can view the images, and it's shared, you know, all over the world. And B. Everybody's got a phone with them now with their the phone in the – or phone. Everyone's got a camera with them now with the cameras in their phones. So everybody's got a camera all the time.
1: Yeah, which is interesting because, I mean, uh, just over the weekend, I mean, I saw a lot of photos of the Aurora Borealis over top of the Mackinac Bridge. Oh, nice. Some really cool shots. But, I mean, so many of them you can tell they're just – they were there. They whipped out an iPhone, <laughs> snapped a pic, and they're really cool pics. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but they're... what I'm what I'm learning of the master of the dark arts <laughs> of photography <laughs> is uh, the the way that they could be captured and the way they are captured
0: mm.
1: two different things. Yeah. You know, with the right tools, but that would have to that would have to be you going there. And probably waiting around for a week, right, and having the time to take a week with an amazing camera setup and sitting around night after night after night waiting for the perfect image to come versus nowadays it's so easy to just, you know, uh, be somewhere, snap a picture. You post it online and you can give it out to millions of people. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's just a lot easier to, to snap pictures,
1: yeah, and he mentions that you know the editorial market is saturated today with you know with yeah. photographs, yeah. right? And he mentions that you know there was one there was a time where hardly anyone had ever seen a mandrel, right? Now Google mandrel, and you got millions of pictures right. to choose from, right? It's so the the whole point of this article, he's saying, like nowadays, like if you want pictures that stick that people gravitate to you got to do something cool yeah you got to do something real i mean like everybody's iphone image of the same exact you know <laughs> thing isn't going to capture anybody's attention so you got to do something with the the tools that are in like these cameras today that can make an image really pop and he gives us nine really really great ideas especially particular to us the underwater photographer yeah and his first one he says shoot something original
0: for fuck's sake (laughs) you know
1: right he says firstly i studied as a marine biologist at Bangor university i consider myself a naturalist and a conservationist i have been at least a naturalist my whole life and for me, underwater is the last realm. But if we all head out to Raja Ampat in Indonesia to photograph pygmy seahorses in Nuna Bronx, we are left back in the same boat of the oversaturation of certain images. And I remember in like the early to late 2000s, I mean, the pygmy seahorse the old... over there in Indonesia, you know, that's what everybody was talking about, you know, coming into the dive shop. You know, the, our, our shop started running A bunch of trips over there to Raja (laughs) Ampat. It's because, you know, the group that really had gotten into photography, they got saturated with all the Caribbean photos. Right? They they'd done Bonaire, and everybody had photos of the orange cup coral on the town pier, and everybody had, you know, the octopus picture, and everybody had the school of blue tangs. Right. So, so they were looking for that something new, but. I, again, it's like I look at what we we just did. Everybody's got a picture of, you know, Scubasaurus in, <laughs> you know, in Spring Mill Pond. Everybody's got a picture of the underexposed diver on the platform, yeah. you know, kneeling in the silt at Spring Mill Pond, right? So you have to have some originality to your photos, which means you need to put that conscious effort into the thinking about it well before
0: you even show up to the water with a camera right yeah you gotta plan the shot yeah. um and and play and experiment but yeah and the photo
1: that he that he throws in here is a, a pretty simple photo but it's a very unique one of a turtle
0: yeah the turtle uh looking straight down on a turtle over like a grassy a sea grassy bottom right and
1: in in many ways he breaks every rule of underwater photography
0: well, yes and no. I mean, you, but it, but it, but yeah. it pops, right? Yeah, I was going to say he didn't really. I mean, you got the symmetry thing going, which is perfect. Uh, um, like it's perfection with the symmetry, and you, you can tell it's not photoshopped. At least it doesn't appear to be photoshopped. It, it he just caught it at the right time and and got right over the top of it. It's perfect, and it's centered. And you know, when they say you know, try to put it on your 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 little um, tic tac toe grid, um, but you can also you can center them. They don't say it, don't center it. Um, you got to play with it. Some some photos need to be centered in the image. Yeah, well, in know? a
1: photo as symmetrical as this one, it works great. Yeah. And and you're told so often never shoot straight down.
0: Mm. But again, yeah. this straight down shot is is perfectly done. Yeah, it's another one of those. You know, they give you. They should be calling them guidelines, at least. You know, instead of rules, because then people will will uh, look at them in a different way. Like, yeah, it's a guideline to shoot on your tic tac toe grid and put it on one of the intersections. It's a guideline to shoot. You know, up in the water column, um, but you can shoot straight down. You can go ahead and center the, the uh the subject.
1: Yeah, I was teaching this little buoyancy seminar last night and we were having a similar discussion about trim in the water yeah and how there's times where flat horizontal is te- is terrible trim you don't want it right yeah right if the if the bottom and the environment is not conducive to being flat and horizontal because you're along a slope of a wall. Right. Or you're trying to exit out of a hatch of a shipwreck and you need to, to break <laughs> trim. It's, you got to have the ability to manipulate the trim. But in order to be able to manipulate it, first you've got to be so good at it's always the, the standard without even trying yeah. the, the flat, horizontal, clean trim. And then you can start playing with your center of gravity. And I think the rules of photography are very similar. Like you learn all these rules to understand the camera, to understand your tools. And then the creative learns how to break the
0: rules to, to make the magic underwater. Right. Yeah. You have to know when when it's uh, needed and when it's not needed to break those rules. But yeah, you, you have to master the basics before you start going off on your own and making your own rules. Which brings us to his second point, which is be very comfortable
1: in the water. He says, starting with the basics, you should first be very comfortable and competent in the water. When using scuba with a high-end camera, it's very easy to become totally distracted by the photography and you might easily put yourself in danger by not monitoring depth, bottom time, air, currents, or obstacles
0: yeah well, we talk about that all the time. you know that focus uh, that focus narrowing that happens when you get you get behind the camera really easy to get lost in that super easy
1: and from a conservationist standpoint it's very easy to forget and sacrifice the environment right for the sake of you getting
0: your photo yeah that's a lazy uh, to uh, to me i I look at that as that's just lazy you know. Right, it's somebody, yeah, it's somebody who doesn't
1: want to learn. Yeah.
0: That you don't need to plant yourself on the bottom,
1: right? Well, if if you're not a good diver first, you do need to.
0: Right. Well, that's I guess that's what I'm getting at. Is, there especially in old school, it was taught, it was just the general practice to just go to the bottom and anchor yourself so you can get a steady camera, you know, you can get a steady shot. Right. Um and it's not taught the level of buoyancy control and trim and you know comfort in the water it should be the first thing you learn, and it just it just isn't in the, in most of the classes that you see.
1: Right, I mean because it is the base of everything that takes it place underwater. It's the most important it's aspect. It's, it's like trying to yeah, yeah, it's trying to like take take a photo of that cardinal in the tree, <laughs> but all of this other trees, and everything are in the way. So it's. Wipe out the whole right, forest, exactly. <laughs> save yeah. for this one tree where the cardinal is, so I yeah. can get in there and get the picture I want.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's uh, yeah, you're kind of you're I don't want to say cutting off your nose despite your face, but but you, in a way, yeah, I get what yeah. you're saying. It. Yeah, so master the scuba skills. So, what does that mean for the uh, person who's getting into scuba for underwater photography? Like, uh Basically, you're not going to have a camera in your hand for a little while. Right. You <laughs> you have good.
1: to be patient and get really good at, at the art of scuba diving so that you can control your buoyancy. I mean, you and I were in five feet of water yeah. along a heavily silty area of Spring Mill Pond for 40 minutes, and we left the area looking almost exactly the same as how it was when we showed up
0: well yeah you, you, <laughs> you needed to have very good buoyancy control and awareness of where you were while working right there you're what you know four or five feet of water and there's sticks and leaves and the the seaweedy whatever underwater plant that is i'm sure somebody could tell us <laughs> but uh
1: but to not be aware of that means I mean right. it, in 40 seconds
0: have been gone the 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 area would have (laughs) been
1: completely blown out but we were able to work there for 40 minutes
0: yeah and you know so when you blow it out now you got to move to another spot and
1: but that also brings us brando to his third point which is take your time to be a naturalist
0: first which is right up what what you were just saying yeah i mean protect the environment do no damage besides it's it's not good to destroy the environment but it's going to destroy your picture, too. You're going to have a hard time getting a picture. Or if somebody else wants to get a picture behind you yeah. or next to you, they're going to have a tough time.
1: I mean, the idea is you, you, you would like to leave the area and let another couple of photography divers go right over and try to do the same thing you just did. Yeah. And the conditions be just the same for them.
0: Hopefully. And hopefully they leave it nice for other people, too. He says, I shoot both topside and underwater. In fact, in my
1: career, I've specialized in being a generalist, which has helped me keep going. What draws me underwater is the incredible wealth and diversity of life about which we know so little about. He says there are areas such as Raja Ampet, for example, that are as diverse as tropical rainforests. They're spectacular. The more time you take with a subject or a small patch of substrate, the more you will see the more you will learn and the better you will become at photographing a subject's
0: behavior. It then becomes addictive. So be prepared. Yeah, know your subject. That's, uh, that's a big one in like any photography course or you ever take, land, underwater, whatever. But know your subject. When I used to do a couple of those magazine shoots, depending on the event or depending on the person uh, I try to do a little background. Try to figure out, you know, what's going on. What's this? You know, it's just like going and shooting um, a rugby game, photography, or a soccer game, or a baseball game. You know, a sporting event, for example.
1: Yeah, if you don't know the game, you're going to have a hard time yeah. capturing the
0: moment. Right. You might be able to get a shot or pull off a couple pictures. That that's not super difficult, but to pull off a really great one. You got to know how the game is played and where they're going to be coming from, what angle uh, will be best with the lighting. Will you even be able to capture an image uh, that you desire being where you're at? So you might have to move. You can't really move the game, but you have to move yourself. So, yeah, you have to know your subject, know what's going on. Right. That goes doubly or triply or exponentially for underwater, doesn't it? If you're uh, photographing uh, underwater sea life
1: absolutely could you imagine like poking around all the nooks and crannies of the, of the coral reef uh, with your camera just you know looking under holes and shining your flashlight under ledges just waiting to get that shot of the giant manta ray right exactly. you're never gonna get yeah. it right and vice versa if you're out swimming in blue water
0: you know, you're not going to get a lobster. Looking, looking for the, <laughs> yeah, you're never going to get that lobster. Yeah, that yeah. nurse mean, shark. I mean, those, are, out, yeah.
1: those are the extremes of it. But yeah, like you, you got to, number one, you have to know what you're looking for. You have to be a naturalist. And you have, a, have, have to have a respect for that environment right. and how to be one with that wildlife in that environment. Because if you're such a chaotic mess underwater, you're never going to get close enough to anything to to take a picture of it anyway.
0: I mean, we're talking about life underwater, but it, it also goes to um, things like shipwrecks, uh, you know, st- static subjects. Know, you have to know how that shipwreck lies, you know, the, the angle of light during the day you're diving. Um, are you going to place auxiliary lighting in, in the shipwreck when you want it? want to take a picture which angle where's where is what room you want to go visit or what aspect of the wreck you want to capture that's what we mean about being a naturalist in an environment
1: like that right knowing knowing what you have around you
0: know your subject yeah then yeah. Uh, you'll be able to plan your shots a little bit better so. and not
1: only do you need to know your subject but number four he says get as close as possible
0: get your to the subject Close,
1: yeah he says, as a general rule, there are two types of underwater photography, wide angle or close-up. Both techniques require a very close approach to the subject. If you have to go slowly in to not scare the subject, then you should leave slowly too, which I really like that he mentions that point. Yeah, This shows a necessary <laughs> respect, he says,
0: but also allows for a second and third non-threatening access. Well, again... You'd like your comrades in arms, in cameras, I should say, your comrades in cameras that are, are diving with you on that location to be able to take a picture as well. So, you, you, yeah, you went and were very really careful taking your shot, but then you lost your mind and didn't think when you exited the, the scene. It just destroyed the place, yeah. turning around trying to leave.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a great point, yeah. Um, not, not even to mention like going in, you know, trying to take like a really close-up photo of a small piece of marine life or fish or, or something in an area, but the, but your subject isn't cooperating with you. That's so so having the ability to back up a little bit, come back in in, in a minute or so, mm-hmm. right, and let let the nature kind of reposition itself, you might have to do that two or three times until you get the environment to come
0: together the way you're hoping. Right. And that, I mean, you mentioned the back up. So, I mean, this is a great time to mention learning the back kick. Uh, as an underwater photographer, it's like your go-to. You, you need it. You, It's it's not even like, oh, I'll just, you know, push myself away. You can't touch anything. And you don't want to be using your hands because all that does is stir up the, the water in front of you. Yeah, so. you have
1: to have a finesse and precision to your propulsion techniques that'll allow you to move in extremely slowly, mm-hmm. that'll allow you to stop,
0: allow you to back up. Right. You should be able to move yourself just like you would on land underwater. Yeah, that's that is what we mean
1: by being a really good diver who's comfortable in the water first and then putting the camera in
0: your hand. That's how you're right. going to get the good pictures. Right. The the diving has to be as simple as it is for you to walk on land. And one of the things that you mention all the time is the more water
1: you have between the lens and the subject, Mm -hmm. the more difficult it is to get the right lighting that you're trying.
0: Yeah. You want to minimize that space between you and your subject as much as possible because water has stuff in it. And that stuff is going to interfere with the light one way or another. And the uh, practiced and competent underwater photographer will understand that, learn to angle the lighting correctly, but also minimize, you know, close in that range between your lens and the subject. And that's why, I mean, that's the reason you have a wide angle with a dome port. That's so you yeah, can get close.
1: Especially if you're trying to create, like, a colored contrast between
0: background and subject oh, and get that stuff yeah. lit up properly. Yeah, you need to get close to light them up as well. I mean, you can set up auxiliary lighting and whatnot and get a little, little distance away, but that's not the same as catching a diver up close. Yeah, that's a different yeah. type of a wide-angle photography. Right, but catching that diver up close, you want to see a little skin tone... Maybe even the color of their eyes. And, of course, if they're wearing all the flashy um, scuba gear, you know, you want to show that off. So you've got to be close enough that your strobes are going to reach the subject, which is underwater, 5 to 10 feet max, maybe 15 feet, depending on the strobes you've got and the visibility of the water, how clear that water is. But you don't have a lot of space that the strobe is going to reach is what I'm getting at. So, yeah, close it in. Let the, let the light paint your subject, and the background will remain that blue, ambient-lit, deep ocean that you're looking for. Or whatever color you're looking for. I mean, you can get tannic yeah, water, and it looks gorgeous, too. Now, he tells
1: us that there is actually a third type of underwater photography, which
0: is the famed over-under. The over-unders, yeah. Now, that's um the split split shots that's uh those are they're difficult to pull off like a really great one i think i mean it's a little challenging in other words you uh, gotta it, keep popping your your camera up and down in the water
1: you're right right you most know? definitely a difficult shot and the photo that he has in here is one of the best overunders i've, I've ever seen of uh, the whale shark and the back of the demai one of the cool things that he mentions in this and the one that he mentions in this article is make sure both halves of a split image have strong subject matter.
0: Yes, because it looks lopsided.
1: Right. It's overweighted right. somewhere
0: if you don't have a, you know, equally hard hitting subject matter. Like a beautiful coral reef and then just that white sky would be bad. You'd need a a nice sunset, you know, with a diamond yellow sun in the yes, purple sky right. kind of thing.
1: You know, I took uh, a couple of shots of you as we were getting in the water, playing around with it, oh, and yeah. I, I snapped a couple cool ones of of you topside. But it's just a green glob <laughs> on the other. So, so as I'm looking at it, you know, uh, yeah. afterwards, I'm like, oh, well, "Why are you even trying to take it over under here? That was uh, stupid. There's there's nothing down there even worthwhile."
0: Right, but hey, this brings up a great—I mean—a great point. Because a lot of times you're going to have shots like that. Like you can't order up the perfect sky for every over under. But you might have this incredible act- activity going on under the water, just under the water, you know, five feet of water, ocean, 200 foot of visibility, and this crappy sky up there, you know, maybe overcast, just white, grayish sky. So right.
1: it could be the same same place, a different day. Right. One but, day the sky's amazing. One day the underwater's amazing.
0: So what I do is I keep a folder of sky pictures. So when I'm dry, I mean, if I go outside and the sky is gorgeous in one area, I'm just taking pictures of the sky. And you can do the same thing with underwater. I mean, you just have those underwater shots, and then Photoshop can be your friend. Yeah, is it cheating a little bit? But it, You do what you got to do sometimes. (laughs) Photoshop can can create some awesome, incredible stuff. You just got to be skilled at it. You have to work it. And um, it's not hard, but. He gives a couple really good points about this. Yeah. And
1: old Pete says, always focus on the underwater subject, but have a small enough aperture, f16 or smaller, so that the top side is focused as well. Wow, he mentions that he mentions that water conditions should be smooth to keep droplets off the port. Everybody's got their own little cure, and good old sea uh, drops uh, rubbed on the lens
0: before the dive is is a go. What he's recommending, yeah, yeah, I uh, I've heard carry um, you've got to carry a cloth or something and wipe it, wipe the top. You have people doing that, which is I think a bit much. Well, kinda, you'd have to have ex- you'd, you'd yeah. have to have help, surface help. Yes, it's you know. a big setup. It's a big to do. Yeah, it's big, not big this, setup. Uh, I just happened to catch the shot. Yeah, you'd, right, you'd right. To really do it, but um,
1: but mostly at the end, the, the, the cool thing he says is crucially ask yourself why you are splitting the image in the first place.
0: Why the fuck am I splitting <laughs> this image?
1: Is there interest in both halves? No. If not, make sure you find some, or don't
0: bother or photoshop the fuck out of it <laughs> or or photo or photoshop something interesting in that other half photoshop yeah. it man i mean sometimes you got that perfect shot and you're just missing half of it or there's something in it that that needs to be fixed and you can fix it with photoshop and i mean purists might say photoshop is cheating but um almost everything you can do in photoshop you could do with film in the darkroom so they did it back in the film days too, trust me.
1: Number six, he says practice strobe positioning for
0: different effects. And that's what kind of we were
1: That's what we, focusing I mean, on me that. especially, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I lost a diffuser, you know, handing a camera back onto the boat a couple of weeks ago <laughs> and we showed back up and forgot that diffuser got ripped off. I've got one strobe. You know, I, I had no choice but try to get creative You have to. With it. Yeah. He says, to restore color to a subject, it is the norm to use one or two strobes to light the scene. Most underwater images, in fact, are shot with some form of a flash. The idea is to illuminate the subject, but not the water between it and the lens.
0: That's the idea.
1: Right. That's because that's where we get the backscatter.
0: You get backscatter really bad, yeah.
1: And even in, and even in crystal clear water, oh, yeah. there's backscatter.
0: Yeah, there's no such thing as perfectly... I mean, even in the clearest of clear water, there's a little particulate that'll reflect right back at you with those strobes. And, and
1: you can take a picture in 200 feet of visibility yeah. and make it look like you're in two inches of visibility. It can, yeah. And you can do like what we did, where you can take a photo in four feet of visibility (laughs) and make it look like it's a like a really nice clear area
0: Mm -hmm. yep just uh place your lighting place your lighting well and understand what's going on with the photo and the lighting yeah he
1: mentions that the strobes should be positioned behind the dome or the port of the camera they should be pointing outward so that you're using the edge of the strobe's angle of illumination and, of course, as a general rule, the closer that you get to the subject,
0: the closer the strobes should come in. Yeah. That's a, that's a good way to put it. And that's just to create that um, angle of incidence that you're looking for. It's constant attention and awareness and manipulation of
1: your tools while you're down there in addition to dive. constant attention and awareness to your teammate mm-hmm. and your own equipment and the environment and everything else that's going on on the
0: dive yeah absolutely it's uh it's work when you're f- f- when you are um doing photography underwater your brain your mind's going to be taxed and your body's going to be taxed because you're carrying a lot of shit usually
1: which is why we say it's how important it is to be a really good diver first because yeah. there's a lot on your plate and it's really easy to get wrapped up and lost in any one of those things and right. forget about the rest and if you're taking pictures of birds you can be there for 6
0: <laughs> hours you're not going to run and, out of gas yeah
1: right exactly yeah there's no decompression to do walking out of the forest <laughs> number 7 He says, change lenses between dives at the same site. I thought this one was pretty interesting. He says, when diving with a camera, it is natural to see everything on the dive from the perspective of the lens that is mounted. Certainly in my case, I cannot help visualizing what the subject might look like as an image. But you miss a lot, he says. I don't mean images necessarily, but you miss the whole other aspect either wide angle or macro, whichever one was not mounted at the time. He says, I recommend repeating a location, but swapping the two systems between both dives.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's just getting you to see like the camera, you know, and not just get trained in one area and then you're not really looking at the little stuff.
1: Oh, it's a totally different eye for wide angle versus macro for sure. mm -hmm. And then not only that, but there are two different environmental
0: awarenesses that you need as well. Yeah. Uh, And it's, you know, doing macro over in the ocean is pretty easy. There's tons of little critters, colorful, and usually visibility spectacular. I mean, you've got a lot of subject matter. But we don't really, I mean, we have stuff that you can go take photos of. You just got to get super creative around here.
1: Yeah and you know we've done some stuff down at the quarry yeah. in the in the fall where where you've brought two systems you know, where you brought up your macro set up you brought the yeah. wide angle set up mm-hmm. and we would swap back and forth and play around I remember taking you know getting that macro in my hand and then now the the focus is so
0: <laughs> tight you're in a little like t- am ah, so by used two to inch, shooting yeah. that
1: wide angle like I ah, I had to totally relearn right. of like uh, like how do I look through this thing to to compose an image also being aware of the environment i remember taking uh, some photos last fall of like a little leaf that had fallen Uh because it was autumn what do you take a picture of with this macro lens (laughs) at the quarry
0: you gotta hunt you gotta hunt man maybe a crayfish eyeball or a a claw hey
1: speaking (laughs) uh speaking of balls brando Uh uh-oh I've got to welcome you to Fresh Ball Fall. I almost forgot. Fresh Ball Fall. It's a Fresh Ball Fall. <laughs> it's the season of pumpkin spice. And also making sure that
0: your crotch looks nice. You've got to rhyme for everything, James. <laughs> that means
1: that uh, sipping cider in a fall breeze and using Manscaped products to trim your balls with ease, if you know what I mean. that's right today's show is brought to you by manscaped people a company here to make sure that your foliage isn't the only thing shedding its excess leaves heck even mother nature knows it's time to lose the excess clutter for fall join the six million men worldwide who trust manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20 percent off and free shipping with the code tgdp 20%
0: 20% off, free shipping, doesn't get better.
1: If you haven't gotten the Platinum Package 4.0 yet, people. Do it. What do you got to lose? Yeah, let them know old Jamesy and Brando sent you. Get your lawnmower 4.0. They got a new uh, body wash, and ultra-premium 2-in-1 shampoo and conditioner also. that'll You'll have your skin and hair feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. In addition
0: to all your shaving needs... Wow, your Naughty Bits will be in uh, some pretty good condition with all of this. Don't forget, they've got an ultra-premium
1: deodorant, too. Aluminum-free, also. And don't worry, guys. It's not
0: pumpkin spice. Your pits and bits are going to be smelling good. <laughs> Get the Platinum Package this fall. These products are guaranteed
1: to be hits for your dangly bits. Whoa. Whoa. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off, people, and free shipping with the code TGDP. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code TGDP. Manscaped Brando, clear out the leaves. It's your tree
0: trunks. Time to shine. That was probably Manscaped's best promo they've ever had right there.
1: Well, if you and your girl are taking, you know, some, speaking of photos, if you and your girl are taking some, you know, romantic, erotic <laughs> boudoir some right? boudoir photography. If you maybe, and your girl are into you porn. Want, you <laughs> want your uh you know, you might want to light up your uh your bits and your tree trunk with a little bit of God lighting and some backlighting. And you gotta have that th- you gotta have that thing uh cleaned up and uh you know
0: looking good. Yeah. You want the subject to be well groomed, we'll put it that way. Which brings us to point eight. It does. That's a, how do you segue from doing shooting porn to um, point eight, <laughs> the well, cause search talks for of, God Because Pete light. talks
1: about God light and backlighting opportunities. And he says, yeah. one of my favorite times and places to be is in clear, shallow water at morning or evening. What I'm looking for are the sun's rays coming through the water, which is also known as God lighting.
0: Goddamn lighting.
1: He says, (laughs) a close focus, wide-angle shot with some fill-in flash is then my preferred technique. I ensure to get low enough to include the burst of light in the frame. Usually, I'm on a snorkel in these cases, which is what I I was playing around with a lot of in the the really real shallow. Like, I knew we were going to be squished up in that tree, rooty, mangrovey-looking area a, a lot, you know, so for then I was thinking having a snorkel is a uh, you know ideal for a lot of that surface time and not just blowing bubbles crazy stirring up all the oh,
0: here
1: all, all that like silt and funk that's laying I was trying to get a couple shots back in there as well
0: that's how it's going to be you're going to hate the scuba divers eh
1: I don't hate them but I, I I'm agreeing with Pete here that there's times where you know just having a snorkel you know in a really sh- shallow area like this Is the right tool for the job. Right. And lastly, Pete gives us uh, one of the most important ones, in my opinion, is be respectful. Lastly, he says, it's not really a tip, but more of a state of mind and a way of thinking. Simply be respectful. You got to remember, people, that you're a diver first. And divers are friendly to the environment. Not when it's convenient, but always. Always. And if you can't handle yourself in the water, you certainly can't handle yourself
0: with a camera in the water. Right. Yeah, that's I mean, you look at a, a lot of divers that have cameras and they're you can tell they've never practiced. Well, A, and he, what if something goes wrong when you have that camera with your partner, your team? Have you ever, you know, thought, "Hey, what do I do?" <laughs> what the hell do i do, whoa, whoa, do i just whoa, drop whoa, this whoa, camera whoa, whoa, or whoa, I, whoa. i'm taking oh. pictures you're not allowed to have problems <laughs> exactly. i'm taking pictures exactly i mean stuff like that and that goes into that you know being respectful it's um when you go into the env- environment underwater be respectful of it by being able to handle yourself and the camera if you're going to take pictures and your teammate and your goddamn teammates right be a good teammate i mean Right. I mean, uh, this is a a lot of this is stuff we say all the time anyway, just for regular diving. It's great to, I I like how Pete, you know, kind of summed it up is just be respectful of the environment and your team and yourself.
1: He says, not only do you not want to disturb any subjects or substrate, but you will also find much greater acceptance within reputable dive circles if you demonstrate an active conservationist approach. diving remember some of the dive sites are often visited every day sometimes more than once we all need to leave it just as we found it
0: yeah well there you go yeah those are some good tips
1: super good tips i mean i i when i came across this article i thought it was perfect for for what we do all the time uh shout out to pete oxford uh really dig this article pete thank you very much yeah, his uh, he's got photos that have appeared in major magazines, including National Geographic, and Time, and BBC Wildlife, the Smithsonian, Nature's Best, Geo, Outdoor Photography,
0: to name a few.
1: To name a few. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, check out Pete's work uh, over at NatureTTL.com. dot com. Again, this article was titled Nine Tips for Creative Underwater Photography. And uh, I really dug it. And it's, it's some really good photos in here. And that whole site, Nature TTL, has got a lot of really,
0: really good stuff for for all kinds of uh, photography. Yeah, check out the tutorials. There's a whole section on tutorials. There's a little section on inspiration, which is, that's something you need to, to talk about, I think, too, with um, photography. It's easy to get burnt out. You gotta keep that inspiration.
1: All right, everybody. Well, I hope you like that photo episode this week. Brandon, should we sign some uh, photograph logbooks?
0: i uh, yeah. Let's uh, snap a few signatures into our photo diving logbook. La la la. Um, are you waiting for me, James? You're waiting for me to come up with a a witty. Photography-related, if I think long enough for something witty to say, I'm sure something will develop. I just have to focus. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I'm getting extremely
1: close to your logbook today. (laughs) I'm I'm trying to get as little space between my pen, my face, and the subject of your logbook as I write this to you. Nice dive. All right, everybody. Yeah. Um, We will see you once again uh, for another exciting episode of the Great Dive podcast. By the way, uh, the main subject of our photo shoot was that Abyss Coffee mug, Brando. So remind the people they got to get over to uh, the AbyssCoffeeCo.com and order yourself uh, some coffee and maybe a mug that she's sold out of right now because it's such a cool, kick-ass mug. Uh, Get over there and uh, order one of those up, too
0: handcrafted with a diving helmet on it yet. There you go. No Mark five.
1: All right, everybody. We will talk to you next week.
0: Same wide-angle dome port. court. Same stroke positioning. That was pretty good, James. Yeah. There we go. All right. We'll talk to
1: you uh, next week.